0: Open the floodgates. Hell. Hello, this is Reverend Erichimek. I'm glad to come to you through this medium. As you listen to the word of God today, I pray that you will be impacted, your life will be transformed, and you experience God. Kingdom blessings. Hallelujah. Let's bow and pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask that the increase of your word in our lives will bring us into a place of manifestation as I preach this morning and teach let grace be available in Jesus name, amen alright, I'm speaking on discerning your opportunities discerning your opportunities it's still, it's still in, the, in the month of Bethany and I just want to share along that line hallelujah Opportunity is the possibility due to favorable combination of circumstances which is either positive or negative. Because um, uh, people think that opportunity should always be everything should be well before you get opportunities. But sometimes when things are not even the best, God brings through that a blessing. Hallelujah. It is a timely arrangement of of a situation that provides a promising advantage. It's a timely arrangement of a situation that provides a promising advantage. When you discover your purpose, your gifts, your talents, God will also present opportunities to you. Most times, opportunities are birthed through difficult crisis. Most times, opportunities are birthed through difficult crisis. The Chinese writing for crisis has this meaning. And I want everybody to know this. The Chinese writing for crisis in their lettering, in their writing... And I think that if there's any language that we should begin to learn in our day for our younger people, it's Chinese. I'm not joking, what I'm saying, serious business. Amen? It means danger plus opportunity. So, crisis, when they write the word crisis, it has two meanings danger plus opportunity. Danger Plus opportunity. So in the Chinese writings, they write crisis as danger plus opportunity. And I want you to know that in everybody's life, God will always give you opportunity. Every day, opportunities are presented to us. And it's very important that we are able to understand and discern. When those seasons come, it is said that when preparation meets opportunity, it becomes favor. So, when you see favor in somebody's life, it is not just happening, it's because the person may have done preparation. And when the opportunity came, he took advantage of it. Ecclesiastes chapter 19 is a popular text everybody knows from verse 10 to 12. Whatever your hand finds to do, Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10 to 12. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10 to 12. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might, for there's no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you are going. So you see now, he said, whatever our hands find to do, and I have realized that in life, any stage you are today, it's a preparation for the big opportunity ahead of you. Anywhere you find yourself, you may be serving in the ministry, you may be working somewhere that sometimes even you are overqualified for, supposedly, but it's a preparation. You may be called to do a menial job. You may be called to do something that you think that you are bigger than, but it's a preparation. So whatever your hand finds to do, so don't do it lackadaisically. Don't do it, oh, I I don't think this is what I'm called to do. I I, I am bigger than this. And that's when people blow up the opportunities. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. So I want you to know that wherever you are today, is all preparing you for where God is taking you. And as a matter of fact, the Bible says there's no work in the grave. Then the Bible says in Verse 11, that I return and saw under the sun that the race is not for the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to the weak, the men of understanding, nor favor to men of skill. But time and chance happens to them all. And the word time and chance, there is opportunity. Some translations say that opportunity, time and opportunity happens to them all. Everybody are the son of my voice. God gives you opportunity daily. For a man also does not know his time. Like a fish taken in a cruel net. Like bears caught in a snare. So the sons of men are snared in an evil time. When it falls upon them. When it falls suddenly upon them. So he's also saying that nobody knows when danger will come. Nobody wakes up in the morning driving to work and say today, accident is on my way. The same way, that is how opportunity comes. You don't wake up in the morning and say today, my body is going to be responding very wrongly. Amen? So you notice that the key thing is that we must discover and discern our opportunities and it comes through great, good discernment and right judgment. Good discernment and right judgment. We must not look at things and issues only on their surface. But we must have a prophetic eye. So when things happen in your life, when challenges come up in your life, you must not look at it at the surface. Anytime you are going through a crisis or something's happening in your life, you must see whether what is happening, God has a plan for it. And it's very important that you must have discernment. Tell somebody discernment. Now, let's turn the Bibles to Genesis chapter 13. I want to show you some biblical examples. In Genesis chapter 13 verse 8 to 13 there was, there was strife between the herdsmen of, of Lot and the herdsmen of Abram. So they decided to part their ways. So Abram said to Lot, Please let it not be strife between you and me, between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. Is it not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I will go the right. If you go the right, then I will go to the left. Verse 10. And Lot lifted up his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan. That it was well watered everywhere. Before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Like the garden of the Lord. Like the land of Egypt as you go towards Zohar. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated from each other. Abraham dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. So, Abraham and Lot decided to separate their ways. And Abraham told Lot that, I want you to choose first. If you are blessed, you are not worried. If you are carrying the blessing, you are not worried. And what happened was that Lot saw the place and it was green. It was watered like the garden of the Lord. That's powerful. Very, very powerful. That's somebody very powerful. Right, very powerful. The place was green, was very nice, and it was watered, like the garden of the Lord, and even like Egypt, like America, because in those days Egypt was like America. Hallelujah. And He chose, so you can see here that Lord chose from the surface, but He was going towards destruction. Now we hear that Lord. Pitch is turned by Sodom, but in the by Genesis chapter 14, the next chapter, we found out that he was now at the gates of Sodom and Gomorrah. He became even an elder. (laughs) So sometimes the opportunities that will be presented to you that will look very nice, but there's danger and there's a hook behind it, there's a snare, like the scriptures say, there's a net. So it will be a nice opportunity. It will be a beautiful thing. But there's a a net and there's a hook in it. As a matter of fact, when you are catching the fish, you put the the bait of the fish, the the bait on the hook. The, The fish does not know that there's a bait in it. And sometimes there's going to be a time that an opportunity will be presented to you that looks very glorious. But you need a prophetic eye. You need discernment to be able to make the right choices. The Bible said when even Lot left, Abraham decided to stay where he was. And I like what Abraham did. He said, Choose first. So it's not every nice thing you see that is nice. I am not against anybody traveling abroad but it's not everywhere in the world you must go. Because if God has not sent you there, it will not be fine. Let's look at another person in the Bible, in the book of Ruth. Some of you have never read Ruth. I want to help you to read Ruth today. Amen? Ruth, chapter 1, verse 14 to 18. We all know, know the story how Elimelech and Naomi went into a place and they lost all their, uh, Elimelech died, his two sons died, land of Moab, And uh, Naomi now said, I'm going back. And these are the two daughter-in-laws. Verse 14, they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Oprah kissed her mother-in-law. But Ruth clung to her and said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you or turn back from following you. For wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. Your God shall be my God. Where you die, I will die. And they will be buried. The Lord do so to me and more also if anything but that parts you and me. And when she saw that she was determined to go with her, she stopped speaking to her. Two of them had opportunity to choose. Oprah looked at Naomi and said, look yourself, you've changed your name. He said, now you are bitter, Mara. You had a husband, died. You had two sons, died. I don't know the curse you brought into the family. Then Naomi saw something on, Ruth saw something on Naomi that was more than the surface. He saw somebody who had an encounter with God. He saw somebody who knew God. He saw somebody that though she was in crisis, there's a God this woman serves. There's something about this woman that, apart from the challenges she's going through, I want to know that God. And the Bible says that the upper just kissed goodbye. I'm sure she was going for another (laughs) another man to marry. And sometimes, you have to kiss some people goodbye, but some people, you have to stick around with them. Because there's something on them that is bigger than who they are. That is why it's very important who you stick around. Who, hang, who you hang around. And the Bible says that, it said, whatever you go, I go. Because here is a woman who has lost a husband. And, the, and, and, and now what we told you, like, are you going to follow me? I'm not going to have a son now for you to get married. But she decided to follow what was right. Good character. Good purpose. Direction. Somebody carrying something. And it's not a surface. It's not something that you're going to see by the person's dressing, his cologne or something or his perfume or his car he drives. But there's something about this person that you know that is more bigger than what the person is appearing to look like. And sometimes you must make that definite decision in your life to follow somebody who has an encounter with God. Little did Ruth know that she was being positioned to come into the lineage of Christ. It may seem as if it was bad. Situations were bad. That's why wherever you are today, don't take short-term decisions. Don't take decisions that will wreck your destiny. Don't take decisions just because today you are hungry. Because you can easily sell your destiny on the platter of lunch. You can sell your destiny just by allowing certain people to walk into your life wrongly. And roots so bigger. That is why you must design. Can I tell you something? Hey, I'm not against you go not going to another church. But it's not every church you go to. But it's a church you hang out with. You don't go to a church because it's nice. You go to a church because destiny is connected to that place. Yeah. Hallelujah. Let's look at another person in the Bible called Moses. Acts chapter 7 verse 20. Acts chapter 7 verse 20. The Bible says that at, that, at this time Moses was born... And it was well pleasing to God that he was brought up in the father's house for three months. But when he was set out, Pharaoh's daughter took him and brought him up as his own son. And Moses was learning all the wisdom of the Egyptians. And he might, was mighty in words and in deed. Now, when he was 40 years, he came into his heart to visit his brethren the children of Israel. So we are seeing how Moses, the story of Moses, when he was three months, the mother released him to go and, and uh, on the on Nile and assigned Miriam, his sister, to him and fortunately on the surface of God's providence, Pharaoh's daughter picked this young baby that she was looking for because Pharaoh's daughter always went to the Nile River to go worship because she was looking for a child. But God also positioned Moses for him to be taking care of the enemy of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I like what the Bible says that he was mighty in West, and indeed. When you read extra biblical uh, um, uh, historical facts by Josephus, it was believed that Moses was the commander-in-chief of the armies of Egypt. So all the success of Egypt, all the great feats of Egypt was led by Moses. Let's see what happens in Hebrews chapter 11. So you see Moses here, growing up as a prince of Egypt, powerful guy, had all the opulence of the, of the kingdom, had all the, the horses and everything at his, at, at his disposal. But the Bible said when he was 40, he came into his heart. That means 40 is a strategic time for you to take a major decision in your life. By 40 years as a young man, you cannot be still wondering, you must have focus in your life. What happened to my son? Hallelujah. In Hebrews chapter 11 verse 24, the Bible said, By faith, Moses, when he came of age, refused to be called Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing of pleasure of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he looked to the reward by faith. He forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he was enduring to see him who was invisible. Wow. So this guy, he came into his heart. He had all the opportunities. If he was, oh, he would have said, "Ah, I don't need to worry myself. But his real calling manifested because he was called to deliver Israel. And the Bible said it came into his heart and he forsook. So there are some times in your life that you are going to, you must forsake sin. You must forsake opulence. You must forsake the comfort. You must forsake that boyfriend who gives you some money, that boy who buys you the car, that boy who puts you in the house, and, and forsake that person so that you can enter your rest. The amen is very quiet. Moses, he was like in our day the, 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 the son of Donald Trump. Flying on Air Force One, the commander-in-chief, son, all the armies of America were under, at his disposal. And he had to come and deliver a poor country in slavery. The Bible says he forsook because he knew that that opportunity was on the best. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Let's look at our Lord Jesus Christ in Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22, verse 20, 39. Luke chapter 22, verse 39 to 44. Coming out, he went to Mount Olives, as he was accustomed to, and his disciples followed him. And there he came to pray and said, I pray that you may not enter into temptation. Verse 41, and when he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will by yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. Jesus Christ had the choice to walk away from the cross. He had a choice. You have said, God, after all, (laughs) man came to do all, he didn't do all. (laughs) Like we say in Ghana parlance. That means that man came to do some, but he didn't finish all. Is that not it? But I can tell you that when Jesus entered the garden of Gethsemane, that was the defining moment of God's redemptive plan. In that garden, he was carrying all the weight of sin that the world has borne after Adam and at his time and in the future. And I'm sure when he said that, if it is your will, let this cow pass by. Heaven was silent. Because that means that over 2,000 years of prophecy was about to drop in water. I'm sure Michael and his angels and all those angels with a portfolio, all of them stood still and said, what is happening here? Because that was a very crucial time. That one decision he will take will either bring us into redemption or forever the agenda of God for man will be thwarted. And sometimes... There is a decision you might take because it is very comfortable now but you lose destiny. There's a hard decision you might have to take sometimes and and go through the pain. So when Jesus went through the prayer, he dealt with the cross and it's not easy. The Bible said he prayed till he sweat became drops of blood. It is not figurative. Yeah. Yeah. Science has proven that during the World War II, all the American pilots who went, were sent to go and bomb Hiroshima and Nagasaki with atomic bomb, when they come back from the trip, when they wake up from the seats, you see blood. Because when a human being comes under very strong dress, your blood capsules break through your sweat pores. So it is not figurative. The guy suffered. I went to an operation in 2000 and 1993. And when I was recovering from the anesthesia, then I saw that, hey, Jesus suffered. <laughs> hey, that one, they gave me injection. When I was recovering, ha! Hey, I was screaming, I was shaking the bed. And I, when I woke up the first, I said, "Then Jesus who went to the cross without no anesthesia. Let's not take his sacrifice for granted." Is somebody hearing me? Hey, that day I said, "Hey, <laughs> that's the first thing I occurred to because even with all the medical things they gave me, and I was waking up, I was shake. I was literally changed. I was held because I was shaking." And the painful things that when I got there, the nurse said, jump, jump off the bed. We are going to walk today. Because they said, if you let, they let make me lie down, I will become very domicile. And Jesus had to take a decision. That is why the Bible said that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He has some opportunities set before you today. You must endure the cross. How do you know your opportunities? Let me run through it quickly. One, every opportunity you should get should lead you closer to your purpose. So every opportunity you get should must lead you closer to your purpose. It's not every opportunity that is yours. Amen? Every opportunity... Should be closer to your purpose. Number two, every opportunity must help you use your gifts, talent, and skill which you have developed. So every major opportunity in your life must help you use your gifts, your talent, and skill you have developed in life. Very important. Every opportunity. That is why wherever you are today, you must develop your skill. Number three, every opportunity should make you a better person. For that matter, a better Christian. Don't get an opportunity that makes you backslide. Don't get an opportunity that makes you walk away from God. It might make you a better person. Number Yeah, I'm tracking you. All every opportunity must stretch your abilities giftings, and character. Your opportunity must stretch you. As a matter of fact, your next level must stretch you. Your next level must scare you. If whatever you have been called to do, you can just do it by yourself, it is not from God. Your opportunities must stretch your abilities, your giftings, and character. It must stretch you. It must It must pull you. It must pull some juices out of you. It must pull. It must stretch you. It shouldn't be something that you just do, oh, it's easy. No. It must stretch you. Your, any opportunity God gives you must stretch you. It must make you tell yourself that, ah, this one, God must help me. Don't think that it is. So if... You are getting opportunities that is just normal. Then you have not gone deep. Something must trigger on you. Something, something must shift you. Something must shake on you. And the fifth one. Every opportunity must be embedded in sowing and reaping. Not buying and selling. I'm going to explain to you. Every opportunity you get must be embedded in the principle of sowing and reaping. Not buying and selling. In this world, there are two systems of opportunity. Either buying and selling or sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping is that you are going to sow your talent, sow your skill, sow your energy, sow your strength. Time! Seed time and harvest. So you are sowing today, you may not see the results. You are sowing now for two years, three years, ten years, you are not seeing the results, but the results will come. But the other simple way is buying and selling, where I take my soul and I sell to an entity and give him what I want. That's the Babylonian system. That is why if somebody tells you, go and do this and this and you make money, You are selling your soul. Yeah. There's nothing like going to the that is you're selling your soul. You're entering wrong covenants and it will follow you. It will will mess you up. Forever and forget when you are doing that thing today it is going to affect you generationally. May you not create trouble for your children. Some of us, you are praying prayers that you shouldn't have been praying. The prayer you should have been praying now is that God prosper me. God change my life. God, now you are praying and binding things that sometimes has never been bound. Because somebody sold. And our world is becoming where people are selling and buying. That's why the, God, the Babylonian system is selling and buying. But the kingdom system is sowing and reaping. So, labor work use your talent use your skill wait it you have a harvest you wait as you sow as you sow and I've I've been serving God few years but I've seen that principle work I've seen that principle work it is working tell somebody it is working yeah it is working I have to fast I have to pray I have to steady Sometimes I spend almost the whole day in my study. I study, I pick this one, I read this one, I tend this one. Sometimes I'm asking God, how do I get this sermon for this week? So by Thursday, I am not normal. Yeah, you think preaching every Sunday, every week is easy? Let me give it to you and try and see. And every day I don't come and say, God is good all the time. God is good all the time. Amen, let's go home. Every day I give you fresh word. Right, I see. <laughs> he's he's sowing a ripping, He's so in a ripping, He's spending time in praying. This, this morning, 2 a.m., I, w- I, was, I was up. 1.35, I said, God, give me small sleep. 2 a.m., I was up to now. And I'm going to be up till maybe around 8 p.m. plus, 9 p.m. today. Because right after this service, we're going to integrate a church. And sometimes I only take water. Sometimes I don't even take water sowing and reaping. So, when God is prospering, pastors allow. 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 I like that. The Bible says that a laborer is worthy of his high. Don't muscle the ox that treads the corn. Tell somebody, sowing and reaping. If your, the principle of opportunity is not embedded in that, watch it. There's no quick fix. And we are being presented with all kinds of stuff. Pastors have been presented with all kinds of stuff. Like I said earlier, now the difference is that we are not only wearing the Raphael skirt, you are also wearing the suit. And do just all kinds of things. But check any genuine man of God who has been consistent. As a person journeys with God, you literally see the hand of God and the results of his labor. And any believer who does that today, it might be tough. Might, you might have to take a decision. You may have to forsake Egypt. You may have to let cling onto God what is good. That is why you must have covenants with God. Covenants, personal covenants, personal covenant, personal covenant, not general covenant. There must be some things you tell something I am never going to do in my life. Period. And use a covenant with you and God. And God will watch over that covenant and perform it. Because God had a covenant with Abraham, there was no way Ishmael would not be blessed. Those were here Friday and I saw it. I believe that the well they saw was the oil wells of Arabia. Tell someone the principle of sowing a reaping. So when it come to church, they say drop an offering. Labor. Serve God. Do something for God. Wake up out of come to church. Serve God. Lift up your hands. Worship. Pray. It's so in a ripping. There's nothing like somebody and some people think that a pastor should just lay hands on you then things will turn around. No. That is why unfortunately you see people move from one church to another. There are so many prophets. One who dedicates their car. One who dedicates their house. One who dedicates their, their food. Their dresses. So one, ma- one, one person several people are doing things for you. They contaminate you. Sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping. If you don't sow, you will not reap. That is the Bible. From Genesis chapter it says, As long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest will not seed. And the Bible says, seed time. That's why you don't know. The Bible says we should cast our bread upon it because we don't know which of them. I want to tell somebody that may God grant you opportunity. But it will always be embedded in labor. It will always be embedded in work. It will always cost stretch your ability. In the second service, I'm going to uh, pray for uh, Pastor Ben. I know that for the last two weeks or a month, his spirit has been just been agitated. Not, not, not really agitated, but some kind of, uh, I call it the Christophenic kind of spirit. The Simon Peter syndrome. One moment, God is with me. Another moment, don't go to Jerusalem. know that's how you feel. You think when I was starting the first, day, I was coming to start this church. I went to preach for a friend. And I was coming to church and I was saying, God, you have to help me. You have to help me. If you don't help me, God, I'll be disgraced. <laughs> oh, yes, you have no idea. But during this project, there are things, there are silent prayers I pray. I said, God, <laughs> you have to help me. Yeah. And it is sowing and reaping. It didn't just happen. And God will help you. God will help you. The God who has helped me from nothing is going to help. That same grace is coming on you today. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Rise up on your feet this morning.